Welcome back to Shit I Should Have Read in School, the podcast where we go back and read the classic books we were supposed to read in high school, but we're too busy studying to retake our driver's permit test. <laughs> Guys, did you fail your driver's test? Sure did, Lisa Marie. Yeah. Sure did. <laughs> sure did. I'm excellent at parallel parking, but I made a left at a red light, and they frown upon that. Uh, I did actually pass, and my mom was very butthurt that I had spent no time studying and still managed to pass. Yeah, your mom's so, not the only one who's butthurt yeah. by that. <laughs> What about you, Lisa Marie? I passed the driver's permit test. Okay. Like the driver's test. test. Yeah, yeah, but then the driver's test. Katie, I probably failed that same left that you did. Oh, was, <laughs> it, was it the one by uh, Malvern? Yeah. I, I'm so happy me and you took our test at the same place, Lisa yeah. I failed for the same reason. <laughs> well, I don't have a transition from driver's um, license <laughs> tests to today's episode of Murder Mystery, so we're just going to breeze right past that. Love it. All right. For today's episode, we read a classic from the murder mystery queen herself, Agatha Christie. We'll discuss if we were surprised by the ending. I was like, how? They're all dead. How could this possibly have happened? The figurines! Who has the time? If we believe in vigilante justice. I don't care if he puts on his mask at night. Nobody asked you to do this. You should not kill people just because you want to. And why we are so obsessed with murder. I'm like, that could be anyone. That could be me. It's primal, and I think we're obsessed with the fact that people are willing to just follow that instinct. But first, let's introduce ourselves. This week, we'll share a fact about ourselves, our favorite crime entertainment. Mm -hmm. I'm Lisa Marie, and I don't think this will come as a surprise to anyone when I say I do not have a favorite crime entertainment. (laughs) That's because crime doesn't typically end in a happy ending. Lisa Marie doesn't like crime, yeah. (laughs) I don't. I don't like crime. I don't like murder mysteries. I don't like... (laughs) <laughs> when someone dies and then I and then that's the end of the story <laughs> I feel like I'd be like a really good telenovela lover if I was Ooh. into it where like they die and then I'm like but could they come back exactly <laughs> yeah, like, yeah that would be my crime genre telenovela <laughs> <laughs> well uh I'm Lauren and like every other basic white female aside from Lisa Marie apparently um I love shows and documentaries about serial killers Mindhunters is currently my favorite because it's like actually based off of not only real killers but the actual detective who coined the phrase serial killer so I love it and it's David Fincher so I am Katie and when I had cable I was a huge SVU follower much like Obviously. the rest of the world and yes. Hershkate whatever the fuck her name is <laughs> but like um because I don't have cable anymore I don't listen to podcasts about murders I really don't watch Mindhunters so yeah if we're talking just straight murder mysteries I love the game Clue I like a good whodunit yeah. uh this podcast serial was probably the last thing I listened to that really had like yeah you know, what happened, but, um... And then it yeah, ended I, with, like, nothing changed. I don't know, I think Jay did it, but... Yeah, you don't have a concrete answer on who it is, yeah. which I'm sure drives Lisa Marie batshit. All right, so let's learn a little bit about this book. We are reading And Then There Were None, was written in 1939 by Agatha Christie in the UK. So Christie was born in England in 1890, and she Ooh. worked in a hospital as, like, the pharmacist during World War One. But she was very popular. Um, they called it the dispensary. Uh-huh. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, different than what you have out there. Yeah. <laughs> Not the same um, thing anymore. <laughs> yeah. So that's where she learned all about medicines, and she became, like, a weird expert in poisons at her Ooh. dispensary job. Um, so her first book was published in 1919. So overall, she wrote 66 crime novels. Holy six, shit. Six non-crime novels and oh. 150 short stories. Wow. So, she was like Stephen King. Yeah, she pumped these things out. 
Originally, this book was published under the title 10 Little N-Words. Mm-hmm. You can't do that, man. Mm-hmm. Well, you could no. back then, but yeah. Yeah. No. So in the UK, that's how it was published. But then yeah, in okay. the US, they're like, we're not naming it that. So <laughs> Thanks, US. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. So when it was published in the US, they changed the title to And Then There Were None for sensitivity reasons. And then the UK continued to run it under that title until 1980. No way. Yeah. That's not cool. Katie, no. didn't you say when you read this in school, though? It, it was wasn't... called Ten Little Indians. Yeah, so, there was like also a brief problematic. period where they called it Ten Little Indians because mm-hmm. they, that's the name of, like, the play. Oh. I was unclear. Mm. Okay. So I don't know why they named it that, but... Yeah. And and then since 1980, it's been... And then there were none everywhere. Got I em. think that was a good, a better title anyway. Yeah. Like, I think they really should yeah. have just gone out the gate with that, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Christy. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't and like I couldn't find anything on like why why there's yeah so I just we're gonna breeze past it we acknowledge it and then I don't have any more information overall and then there were none is one of her best-selling works um it sold over a hundred million copies when it came out it had like rave reviews (laughs) people were very complimentary um and they're raving about the surprise ending people were like did not see that coming it was a twist it was Mm -hmm. a good twist um so since its release it has been made into a stage performance uh, where Christy actually wrote the script herself. She made a couple changes. Um, it's been made into a movie, a television show, a video game, yep. and what? graphic novels. Yep. So span the gamut. Is that yep. the title? Wow! Yep. Yes. Lisa Ray, I love your facts. <laughs> I do too. I feel like context is everything. So. <laughs> you really got to put it in a perspective. Yeah. Wow. So speaking of context, why don't you guys tell us what actually happens in this book since we've <laughs> talked about transition. <laughs> Talked about everything else. So Sounds like a great idea, Lisa Marie. I think I will. Uh, and bear with me because this was like a, and then this happened, and then this happened. So it might be a lengthy one. But, and then there were none, is essentially a book about 10 strangers picked to live in a house, work together, and have their lives threatened to find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting murdered. Do you guys? Lauren, wait, wait. No, did just you pause. like that? That was excellent. Thank you. That I was excellent. So too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> love really the real world context. Absolute spot on. Terrific Honestly, writing. I peaked already. Like I set the bar too high because the rest of this is not just stop reading your synopsis now. I think that's all the people need to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And synopsis. Um, so basically, we've got ten British folk. Uh, they're all invited to stay at this mansion on a nearby private island for a week. Um, we've got a governess, which is like a nanny, a retired judge, an elderly woman, a doctor, a captain, a World War One general, an ex-detective, a young rich guy, and then a manservant and his wife. Everyone thinks they've been invited to the island by like a friend of a friend and all for different reasons. All very trusting. But when everyone gets there, they're told that the owner of the island was delayed and would be arriving late. So while everyone gets settled into their accommodations for the week, some notice a nursery rhyme in their room. It's a poem about ten little soldier boys who die one by one under different (laughs) circumstances. The first one choked. The second one died in his sleep. The third one dies traveling. The fourth chopped himself in half. The fifth was stung by a bee. The sixth died in prison, I think. The seventh was drowned. The eighth was killed by a bear. The ninth was burned to death. And the tenth hung himself because he was all alone. Uh... And I just, like, what a lovely sentiment for a kid's program, (laughs) or a kid's poem. Like, bring back fond memories of childhood, no? Uh, The poem is also reflected in ten little figurines on the dining table downstairs. One for for each guest. Hmm. Hmm. As the Motley crew is finishing up their dinner on the first night, they suddenly hear this booming voice seemingly coming through the walls, and it names every single person there, as well as someone or someones they were responsible for murdering or killing in their lifetime. How's that for dinner and a show? 
So everyone starts looking around, dumbfounded, and is also really fucking freaked out, obviously. The butler's wife actually passes out from the shock, so they just put her to bed. The doctor gives her something to calm her down, help her sleep. Meanwhile, the search for the bodiless voice ends in the group finding a gramophone playing a recording on a record label, Swan Song. Flair for the drama, this island owner, no? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is when everyone starts questioning who really invited them there. And they all start saying who they got the invitation from. And they're realizing that they were all invited by a different person. The only thing in common is that each person was invited by someone whose initials are U-N-O-N. I actually thought that was a clever little bit there. I, Unknown. Yeah, I didn't U-N-O-N. catch it until... Yeah. The judge comes to that quick like realization quickly and he goes, oh my God, this is an anagram for unknown. And then he goes, guys, I think we've been invited to this island by a psycho. (laughs) So uh, most of the group then begins to like vehemently deny that they were responsible for the deaths of the people in their lives. Although some admit that like the person they're accused of killing did die. And like, you know, they kind of sort of had something to do with it, but like for accidental or like legal reasons. (laughs) Um, Except for the young rich guy. He just admits to having struck two people with his car a few years ago. And he's just like, oh, yeah, you know, that's probably who they're talking to. Doesn't even remember the names. He's like, that's probably what that is um he He by the way he was a douche and honestly he's the first one to go and i think thank you for that he's sitting there kind of like chuckling finding his predicament entertaining uh and he takes another sip of his drink and then immediately begins to choke and then die and just like that there were nine Excellent Sex in the City reference. Thank you. Thank you. I just switch it up every time someone dies. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, keep, yeah. keep it. And just like that. Keep it fresh for uh-huh. you guys. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, the doctor inspects his glass and guesses that it was laced with cyanide, which makes everyone put their drinks down real quick. Um, <laughs> stunned by the sun demise in front of their eyes. See, I can rhyme too, Agatha Christie. <laughs> the group assumes the rich man offed himself with poison since he had poured it his own drink. No one else could have done it. They watched him pour the drink and then he drank it and then he died. Like, had to have been he committed suicide. Strange to do it, you know, in front of a, an audience, but whatever. So everyone had had enough excitement for one night. They uh, move his body up into the room upstairs, and then everyone turns in. Uh, as the butler is wrapping up his duties for the night, he notices the figurines on the table again and is confused because he thought there had been ten, but when he's counting them again, he sees that there's only nine. I love that. Hmm. The group all spend the rest of their evening recalling those that they had been accused of dying. It was, you know, drudging up memories past and, and guilt. and <laughs> uh, makes a pretty restless night for most. But not all, because the next morning, everyone wakes up to find the butler's wife has also died in her sleep, seemingly. And then there were eight. Getting a weird feeling, the butler goes to the figurines and sees that there are now eight on the table. He starts catching on quick. The group finds two deaths in a few hours worrisome, you know, but not entirely suspicious yet. Not ideal. <laughs> some not some, ideal yeah. respite. Yeah. Some, some still think it could be a coincidence, you know? Yeah. Like, man, that's really odd, but plausible. <laughs> she was old. Yeah. Some think that the owner who invited them all here is secretly on the island murdering them. They even conduct an exhaustive search of the island to find where the owner could be hiding and plotting, but to no avail. And then all hope for coincidental deaths go out the window when the next person they find dead is the general. He seems to have been killed by a blow to the head while he was out sitting alone by the sea. Sound familiar? (laughs) Now there are only seven people and also only seven figurines. The judge calls an emergency meeting of the living and has come to the conclusion that there is no possible way there is someone else on the island murdering them. The only possible answer is that the killer is actually one of them. They go around and try and see if they can figure out who could be by, you know, like 
excusing people who couldn't have possibly done it. But no one seemingly had an opportunity to kill the other three without anyone else noticing. So even now, being armed with the knowledge that someone is intentionally taking them out one by one, they are not left in a much better position than they were before because they can't figure out who done it. Feeling a new sense of fear at their situation, everyone once again heads off to bed. <laughs> well, I'll so go I have under my stress. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's important to note they did think about trying to get off the island, but yeah. they couldn't get a boat because of the weather. Yep, because yep. of the weather. That is very convenient. They're mm-hmm. basically stuck there, stranded there until yeah. the weather calms down. That's that's right. That's a that's a good point. But this time, before turning in for the night, the butler decides to, he's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lock the door to the room with the figurines, so that way the murderer can't take another one. <laughs> Even if he takes one of our lives, he can't have the figurine. Exactly, but he won't it. get another figurine. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, the group quickly realizes the butler has not woken them up, nor gotten breakfast started. <laughs> How dare he? I know. Where's my coffee? Fearing the worst, the group finds him shortly after with a giant gash in the back of his head from an axe while he was chopping up wood for the fireplace. Another one bites the dust. Every little soldier boys. Leaves us with six. six this is when the soldier boys. <laughs> this is when the governess finally puts it together. So they're all like each one of them is kind of like piecing it together along the way. She realizes the murders are following the nursery rhyme. She like tells the group according to the rhyme, next person will die in a similar fashion to a bee sting. She's all too right, as the elderly woman is found slumped in her chair shortly after breakfast. The the doctor notices a syringe mark in her neck and surmises that she was lethally injected. The killer has claimed another victim for his roster and even placed a bee in the room, just in case the group didn't find them quite sadistic enough. The pizzazz of this guy, like, above and beyond. A a flare. Going for a full Tony. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Five of them still stand. The group is starting to feel more and more helpless as they try to not die before figuring out who the murderer is. They agree that only one person can leave at a time and the other four have to all stay together. The governess turns in for the night, but when she gets into her dark room, she suddenly feels something cold and clammy at her throat and starts screaming bloody murder. The rest of the group comes up to check on her and find that it was only a piece of seaweed hanging from the ceiling. But it kind of plays into, again, this this drama by the murderer because her accused killing was letting a little boy in her care drown so that she could be with the man she loved. So the killer, of course, took some creative license when it came to scaring her. He took pleasure in that one. Yeah. (laughs) So even though she's fine, the group didn't notice that not everyone did run upstairs to check on her. They suddenly realize that the judge isn't with them and they run back downstairs only to find him dead from a bullet wound to the head. Four souls left to be tormented and four figurines displayed on the table. In the middle of the night, the detective hears someone walking around the house and realizes, must be the killer. So he wakes up the captain and the two of them tell the doctor and the governess to stay in their rooms and only open the door if both men return together. Because obviously, if only one returns, the other one killed him. Good logic. Yeah, exactly. So the twosome take another run on the island. (laughs) Gonna gonna double check. (laughs) Uh, But to no avail. So when they've returned... A window's broken, and there are three figurines on the table, and the doctor is missing. Dun, dun, dun. Intrigue. So, I don't know. Is he dead? Is he the murderer? Who knows? The next day, the group decides to stay outside so they can easily see if anyone is coming to murder them, but the detective gets hungry, you know, and he risks going back to the house on his own to get some food. The governess and captain hear a loud crash and go running to find the detective crushed by the tacky bear statue that was in the governess's room. It Since they never... Good. Yeah. It was tacky. Uh, since they never found the doctor's body, the last two standing decide to search the island for a third time. And this time, find the doctor they did 
at the bottom of a cliff on the beach, that is. At this point, the governess and captain look at each other and acknowledge their fate. One of them has to kill the other. Like, that's survival instinct. The governess suggests moving the doctor's body to shore, and while they're dragging him up, she sneaks the gun the captain had had on him this entire time away from him. Realizing his gun is gone, he turns around and sees the governess pointing it at him. He takes his on. He's like, yeah, she's bitty. I could take her. Lunges for her, uh, but she manages to shoot him straight through the heart. She's a good shot. Our lone victor remains, and it is a hollow victory. Do you guys remember how the last little soldier died? Sure do. Mm-hmm. So as she walks into her room, finally kind of at peace, because there's no one else left to kill her. She's alive. But she sees a noose hanging from the hook that the seaweed had been hanging from the other night. The killer left her an option out and on her own terms, and she takes it. The police show up to the island later and are horrified to find 10 bodies in different states of horrific death. <laughs> they try to piece together who died when and how and by whom, with some posthumous help from the diary entries some of the guests made while they were alive, but it seems impossible. Then a fisherman literally finds a message in a bottle and turns it over to the police. It's the killer's recounting of all of his victims' crimes and in turn, their deaths. How every single person was guilty, guilty in some way or another for killing in their life, but managed to escape justice inside of the law. So the killer decided to take the law into his own hands, giving hints uh, as to who the killer is now, maybe, perchance. Perchance. Uh-huh. The scales of justice are ringing. Mm-hmm. Yes, it seems our very own judge had a fascination for murder as a child, which is why he really <laughs> took, to, took such a liking to 10 Little Soldiers Nursery Rhyme. Going into law helped satiate his penchant for killing within the confines of the law, but one day someone mentioned a case where the murder couldn't be proven, so the guilty party got away with it. That set the judge on his new path for enacting sadistic justice on his own terms. He basically compiled a list of similar cases over the years of all people who had managed to get away with it and couldn't... Waited you know. his homework. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he waited. Mm-hmm. Um, and once he had his 10 to match his nursery rhyme, he knew the time had come. He also had a terminal illness, so I think that really helped him say, like, fuck it, go hard or go home. I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> what I couldn't figure out until I read the judge's recounting of his fun was how he faked his own death so that he could alleviate suspicion off of him and continue to kill in the shadows. Apparently, he and the doctor made a pact to set up his fake murder, had the doctor attest to the gunshot wound and that he had died, and then the judge would be able to figure out who was behind the killing secretly. But then the judge obviously just killed the doctor next. Um, this guy would be great at escape rooms. I am confident. <laughs> Genuinely. Yeah. He, like the pizzazz. I just can't get over how much flair he had to have. So there we have it, folks. It was the judge. This is the OG clue, the book that inspired board games and movies and dinner parties. And then there were none. Has oh. been a month. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Shit I Should Have Read in School. Now let's dissect, and then there were none. So I think first off, I want to know, when you guys were reading it, one, who did you think, like, as you were going along, who did you think did it? And then, like, were you surprised by the ending? So who wants to go first? That's all you, Katie. That's me? Yeah. Well, so believe it or not, I had to read this book in school. So, and I remember I read and even more shocking, mm-hmm. I read this book in school. <laughs> what? So, yeah, I know. So, no. I did. I, I was like, ooh, it was called, it really was called Ten Little Indians, which is not correct. When I read it, it was called Ten Little Indians. Yeah. And I read it in eighth grade. And so when I was rereading it, I was like, shit, 
I know it's one of them. Like, I was like, I remember it's one of them. And I know there's I no one rem- else on this island. Exactly. I was like, I know it. They're right. Like, it is one of them. I just could not remember who it was until we got to the judge's death. And then I was like, that fucker faked it. Oh. And I, like, that's where it hit me. Because the whole, like, the first five or six deaths, I was like, oh, my God, who was it? I forget. I forget. I forget. And then all of a sudden I was like, nope, this fucker faked it. A red herring swallowed one. And then there were three. And... <laughs> But that being said, even having read the book before and just not remembering who did it, mm-hmm. still pretty well hidden in the book. It took me to the actual killing to get to remember and remind myself, like, oh yeah, that guy was pretty, uh, pretty dramatic. I did yeah. clear for the drama that one. But going back and and reading it, like rereading it, because I read it twice. I didn't have to read it in school. It wasn't on our list. So, but I we read this a while ago. <laughs> And then I wanted to reread it um, just to see, you know, after the fact. Because I I also missed the epilogue with the, the judge's confession. <laughs> Wait, can we pause for a second? Lauren is truly the best student of all of us. I think that's, that's a fair statement. I graduated but magna cum laude, now, guys. She's the only one that graduated. Mean, you probably graduated with some magnums or cum laude or whatever. Lisa Marie's face. No, I did not. No, okay, me neither. So Lauren is by far and above the best student of all of us. But I will say she has missed the ending to not a few books yeah, now. Like, this is like, and we'll be like, she's like, well, who did it? That's dumb. And I'm like, subtlety is epilogue? not my... It's literally, it says, hi, my name is the judge. I did it. Yep, yep. Uh, no. <laughs> I just I completely miss it it looked like an epilogue so I didn't think it was like still the story so I was talking to Katie and I was like I never figured out who did it (laughs) and she goes did you read the end of the book and I'm like yeah I got to the epilogue and that that no one explained it she's like it is in the epilogue it's the letter from the killer so then I read it and it's just this and then going back when you think about it like he was the only person who didn't actually like kill someone outside the co- confines of the law. He literally sentenced a guilty man to death, so he wasn't like the others there. Uh, his his thing like died in chancery or whatever, like the the legal of how he died, because the red herring was the doctor, um, the doctor's death. Yeah. Um, the red herring. I love it so overt. It's like a red herring swallowed one, fooled you. Yeah. And there were three. Yeah. But that was about the doctor. The yeah. how the judge died, quote unquote, Chancer. was got himself in chancery, <laughs> which should have kind of also given you like a, a hint that like, huh, legal died. Okay. Hmm. But as for who I thought did it, I actually thought it was the governess. You did think it was the governess. I did think it was the governess. And really? She, she and the she old lady made, or the Vera? Girl? She was Vera. Vera. The okay. old lady, she died pretty quickly on. Um, so, like, as we went throughout the book, the governess was, you know, hanging on. But I also thought, like, I, I hate expected endings. So I was like, oh, I don't think people would, would uh, look at this young governess, this young nanny, and think, you know, pin her for a killer. So, like, I kind of like the idea of, like, a female psych. That's why I love Killing Eve, you know what I mean? Like, so I kind of thought it was her. Yeah. Because she can lull them into a false sense of security. Like, oh, I could take that bitch. (laughs) She's not going to get one over on me. They do discuss, like, they're like, well, could a woman have done it? Exactly. Yeah, a woman can kill people. (laughs) Like, the doctor's like, yes, a woman could have done this. (laughs) Especially because when they're deciding that, it's like when they're, it was like poisons. And they're like, poison is like a woman's drug of choice. Mm -hmm. Notorious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Only women know how to work poisons. Who did you think Uh, it was, Lisa Marie? I thought it was the cranky lady. Oh, Emily Brent, yeah. yeah. She had a real stick up her ass about Yeah, <laughs> I was like, she seems like she's got a bone to pick. She also did Until not feel died. bad. And then, yeah. same like Katie. I, well, I don't remember if I read the book. I don't think I ever read the book, but I did know it was one of them, just like for cultural awareness, okay. I guess. Yeah. Um, I did know it was one of them, so I was like, oh, I guess this cranky lady, like... <laughs> 
She went. She bowed out early, so she's sneaking around the house just yeah. to people off. <laughs> well, but then, see, that's great that you even thought that because that's exactly what kind of did happen, like faking the death and then going around killing. I did. I was like, how? They're all dead. How can this possibly have happened? <laughs> There's someone on this island. There's yes. a tunnel. I was like, There's, in their three, have not exa- found it. <laughs> in their three exhaust, exhaustive searches of this island, they didn't manage to find this. This is a great hiding spot. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you go supernatural in your head? I remember when I first read it as a child, I was like, maybe it's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't fall for that shit. It crossed my mind. <laughs> yeah, I always knew it was one of them just for awareness. But then okay. I was like, I don't know which one. I yeah. feel like. But then when the guy started like being like, he just like took the the judge took like a leadership role. And he's like, yeah. here's what you need to look for. And I was yeah. like, that seems fishy. I know. So he, after, he my, to that after my lady died. Um, <laughs> the one you were rooting for. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was like, this judge, has, he knows too much. But then, like, he knows too much because he's a judge. I get it. See, see all sides. Yeah. <laughs> the judge for me, even though, like, I, like, once he died, I was like, oh, yeah, that is what happened. But I was like, he naturally would assume the role of, mm-hmm. okay, this yeah. is a court of law. He's There's got to be a logical over. explanation. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Agatha Christie sets it up really well where I'm yeah. like, yeah, that seems on brand for him. I could see him. Yeah. yeah. And he does like take it on the chin sometimes too, where he's like, oh, I'm, I would be good at this because this is what I'm good he at. Does. Yeah. He does. Yeah. He's like, like I can't even. Out. Yeah, so. exactly. He's like, I can't account for my whereabouts. So maybe I could have done this, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I couldn't have done the other ones. Yeah. yeah. No, it was so she does done. write, like she does weave, weave a yeah. very like, all of them could have done it and all of them had good alibis. So you're just yeah. like, I don't yeah. know. Maybe there's a ghost on but the island. <laughs> what an actor, man. I mean, not he's got a triple threat, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a judge, he's an yeah. actor, and, and he's a sociopath. also a fucking... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into him like a little bit. Let's talk about the judge. So okay. how do we think his guilt played a role in like why he decided to do this? Like, was he just like a crazy person or was he like, no, I really love death? Or was he like, I'm going to... I'm going to venge. What's the word? Avenge. Avenge. Mm-hmm. Avenge. I honestly think that this dude just liked murder. And he just like, he was a sane enough person to be like, all right, so I can't do this in society. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get away with it. No Jack the Ripper shit. I yeah, no Jack the Ripper shit. That was, I, I'm going to say it was that was amateur. too much while also being like, yeah, he's like, I'm going to get caught. Like, serial killing in the in the world is not for me. Frowned upon, yeah. Frowned upon. <laughs> but he's always, like, he, he admits, he's like, I was I was obsessed with murder at a young age. And you're like, ooh, yeah. real big Mike Myers. <laughs> Red <Myers-y>. flag. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, honestly, and it, it falls in character, but he was a judge. He wanted to play God. And act justice, opinion, yeah. He wanted to play God, and this just conveniently fit in with his natural tendencies to kill. And he was like, oh man, here we go. I'm gonna put on a show. I'm gonna get some sick fascination out of this, and let me just torment these people. Because I think half of it for him, too, though. I mean, the reason Vera, we give so much into her backstory, she's the guiltiest mm-hmm. in my she killed a child, yeah. She killed a child in cold blood. She was like, sure, Cyril, swim to shore. You'll be fine. Yeah, go show us you can all swim to that rock way out there. Yeah, Yeah. uh uh-huh. I'm going to kill this child. He's going to be out of the way. I can marry the love of my life. Mm -hmm. And so he's toying with her. I mean, he hangs the fucking seaweed seaweed from the thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So So it's not just like justice. He likes it. Exactly. Yes. He's mm-hmm. getting a thrill out of yeah. this. Mm-hmm. So I kind of thought like a la Dexter a little bit with this book where he specifically picks bad people to to, to like satiate his need for killing. Mm-hmm. But he decides to have like a, a set of like a moral code almost for himself. I But I don't think he has a moral code. I just think he knew 
he wouldn't, I guess that's your question, Lisa Marie, is like some part of him felt guilt about killing. So he decided to feel less guilt about killing. He would pick bad people who had killed other people. Um, So that's a little where he's like Dexter. But yeah, I think he liked it because he was drawing it out. He was scaring them. He was, it was, created a culture of fear. Um, He was a sadistic fuck, dude. He was fucking with them. The figurines. I know. Who has the time to buy 10 figurines and then after each murder, Mm -hmm. go and pick one up and then dispose of them? Like, what? Yep. Yeah, he could have just brought them onto the island and then just like offed them all all at once. But no, he wanted <laughs> he wanted them watch them turn on each other. Yep. yep. And, he, and I think he, he wanted them to suffer. Light. He wanted I, them to suffer. And the fact that he called that Vera would kill um, the governess would kill the captain Lombard. Um, yeah. He. I mean, he he did his homework. He he. It was the perfect, like, everything came together a little too well. Because if you think about it, at any point, this old fucking man <laughs> sneaking around yeah. that people thought should have been dead, like, he could have, so, something could have gone wrong. Like, someone could have seen him slip something into the rich young guy's drink. Someone could have seen him stab the old lady in the neck with the syringe. Like, there there were possibilities for him to get caught. Someone could have seen him, like, after they thought he was dead, sneaking around and doing stuff. Yeah, pushing over a giant bear. Yeah, he got really fucking lucky. I think you can plan so much, but he just got lucky that everything just really worked out for him. (laughs) You love that for the protagonist. I mean, he does, he's the opposite of me. He prepares. (laughs) That's what, like, the logistics of it, I'm just like, I'm almost impressed with the logistics of it. I'm not even mad. I'm just impressed. (laughs) (laughs) That's, like, the thing. So, we talked about it's vigilante justice. So yeah. Like, like Dexter. Does it almost. So he's a murderer of 10 people. Mm-hmm. But do you hate him for it? Because these people are also murderers. Letting children life. die in the ocean. Yeah. Like, oh. how how much are we like, I get it? Or are we just like, fucking lunatic? I have a real. I really have a real bone to pick with this because <laughs> I. I It's the Batman complex. Go me, off, right? Katie. Go off. I, yep. I am going to. This bugs the <laughs> shit out of me. So. Batman has just decided that he's going to be the vigilante for good. He's decided that crime has got the money. He's got the time. And I'm going to take care of it now. And you know what? The movies are amazing. But that bat, the amount of taxes and street demolition that that man does, (laughs) everyone's paying for that shit. It is not his job. I don't care if he puts on his mask at night. Nobody asked you. Nobody asked you to do this and like the judge nobody fucking asked you to take these people out are they bad people sure is it your job to take them out no is it a good thought also no like it's just i don't love the idea of batman because like i know i know and i get it like you know we need to hate him collectively we need to look because he's watching over us i don't care like it is just vigilante justice and it is ultimately it's not helping. I, I don't... It's not helping. Did the Batman... If the Batman didn't exist, the Joker wouldn't exist because they wouldn't have to fight each other. So, huh. that's my tangent on vigilante justice. I don't think it's our job to take things into our own hands. I think he's especially annoying for me, though, because, like, he Batman literally... Batman or the judge? Sorry. The judge. Sorry. Okay. No. <laughs> I, I do need to... You're right. I do need to specify. Use more words. Sorry. I really yeah. went off on Batman. <laughs> It's true. But like the judges is really annoying because he was in law. He was practicing law. It's like, it's like a doctor, you know, like the oath to do no harm. A, a judge <laughs> makes a an oath to, you know, rule fairly and no one is above the law. So no one gets to 
like after the law has acquitted you of whatever you're accused of, mm-hmm. you don't get to then take it into your, you don't get to decide for yourself, right? Jury appears, they decided to not convict you, you're done. Um, however unfair that that can be for however people are wrongly convicted or not convicted. So it was especially annoying that he like, he was in that specific vein of employment, of occupation, <laughs> and did this like they're very contradictory to each other you know what i mean yeah. like, like he took the law before mm-hmm. yeah. exactly it's like well you didn't do a good enough job the first time around so then you're just gonna off him and on the side like he's also doing worse than what the well i guess worse is a subjective term but he's hunting these people effectively these people did were responsible for deaths um and it was cold-blooded sometimes but like he hunted these people down so it was like an extra level of fucked up on top of it if you can level up murder (laughs) so that's my day uppery i don't find him vigilante i guess because of the like the hunting and the pleasure aspect of it so you think it's less um and I, I guess I don't disagree with you here. You think it's less vigilante and it's more him just getting a sick yep. joy out of it. Yep. He's not Batman. Batman doesn't search these people out and, like, decide to kill them. Yeah, he actually... Katie, they do ask Batman. Um, they've got a whole fucking light bulb for him. Yeah. Like, well, Commissioner Gordon gets on board with the Batman <laughs> thing. I, get, I like Batman. Yeah. He's, they he's ask him guy. to help. Bruce Willis, Steve Down is a good guy. But yeah. I just don't think he takes into account the harm that he's doing as well. And he gets a lot of credit. Absolutely. He's also hated. I don't want to go off on Batman again. Yeah, but let's not. Let's like, not. <laughs> I'm just saying, vigilante justice is sometimes more harmful than good. Yeah. So I kind of agree with you, Lauren. I don't think yeah. this is more vigilante as much as it was sadistic. Yeah. Do you think... So, Lauren, I feel like maybe in the synopsis I got lost or I missed it, but, like, okay. he dies at the end. So he, yeah. he fakes his own death, mm-hmm. and then he dies because of his terminal illness, or does he kill himself again on the island? Like for- He actually shoots himself because the police, uh, they find oh, so all the bodies. Fakes his death, mm-hmm. and then he does it and for real. Exactly. So in their, like, medical report, they're like, two people died by gun, one through the heart, one through the head. So basically, because okay. they they were thrown off by the the governess had hung herself, right? Mm-hmm. And so she had to kick over that chair. Who put the chair back at the desk? They, like, came there and they're like, this makes no sense. The chair is back at the desk. She had to have stood on the chair and kicked it over <laughs> to die. So someone <laughs> like had to have did. been alive. <laughs> I know, right? It's <laughs> fucked up. So, yeah, That's and then he mean. shoots himself so- in the head. So does it make a difference to you, like, Batman is, he wants to be the hero. Mm-hmm. Does it make a difference to you that this guy does all this stuff and then he kills himself? So it's not for the recognition. Mm-hmm. Like, does it tip the scales for you at all? Well, that... it is kind of for the recognition. Because... I think so, too. He, he did the perfect crime. Exactly. Okay. And that's why he writes the letter admitting what he did and, like, highlighting it because he wants recognition for what he did. He just doesn't want to be around to suffer the consequences. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. he wants the recognition, and now he's infamous. You know what I mean? Because you mm-hmm. can't do anything to him. He's dead. But mm-hmm. uh, he wanted that recognition. Does it make you feel better about him that he, like, he was one of them, too? Like, he dies. Does that make um, sense? I mean, I'm happy he's not around anymore, you know, <laughs> to hurt more people. You're like, also oh, a yeah. bad... Soldier like, Island Part 2. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then there were the really sequel. none. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then there were some again, and then none again. <laughs> well, and again, he's he's operating outside of the law. He's, he's killed himself, so he no longer gets to pay for his mm-hmm. crimes. So, no, he's dick. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So what we've come to a group conclusion of didn't uh-huh. matter that these 
that he killed bad people. You should not kill people just because you want to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Just because you think it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's out of character for me to think, too, because I think, like, on some level, I would be very much, like... They're bad people. Let's take care of it. Like, they, they shouldn't have gotten away with this. Cause Would you avenge my death, my murder, I, Katie? I'd avenge your death, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd probably try and go legally first. Because <laughs> that's the easier route. Just, that's easier. Judge. I'm just yeah. <laughs> so the, this, the system didn't work for you, so you're going to go avenge Lauren's death? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are you going to do? I guess it depends on how I die. Would you be sadistic about it? Like, would no? But I don't get pleasure from avenging. It's more of a. It's an obligation. Maybe that's how Batman feels. (laughs) I told her I would. Gotta fill this. I told her. Yeah, on recording, saying I would avenge her death, and I'm gonna feel real bad. This is legally binding, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And so, when my murderer turns up dead, also Uh murdered, um, police, you have it on record. She, it's it's Kate. What the fuck, dude? I'm avenging your death. (laughs) Help me. <laughs> I'll be your alibi. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm conflicted now. <laughs> That's why Agatha Christie was one of the best crime writers of all time. Yeah. So it sounds like you've like thought a lot about this crime who done it kind of thing. Like, why do you think that we're deeply obsessed with who murdered I, you? I like, honestly why? do. Even if I, I'm not somebody who's like, you know, the basic white bitch to be like, you know, following all these crime podcasts and stuff. But I get it. It's, I mean, like, I love cults. I don't I get do. it. Can you explain it to me? <laughs> I mean, it is, I think, I think it's so primal. Thank you for asking this question. I, I've been really wanting to talk about it. It is a great it. question. Yeah. It why is are we obsessed? I. It's so primal and it's so animalistic to mm-hmm. kill and I think we're fascinated by what would we do if society wasn't keeping us in line. Mm-hmm. And these are people that are like, fuck the society. I'm going to do it because I have this primal need to just kill someone else. And I think to take a life, really, I've never done it. So I don't really know what that feels like. Stating that for the record. <laughs> it does need to be stated by what I'm about to follow up with. But like... Um, but, like, there has to be some sort of, like, dominant gene in you that if you kill and take from someone, the only thing we're fucking here to do is just breathe. Like, we didn't ask for this shit, but, like, you, you don't get to take it away from me. Mm-hmm. It's primal. And I think we're obsessed with the fact that people are willing to just follow that instinct. I think that's a great response, Katie. Genuinely, and really, like, uh, genuinely. I think about this a lot. I, I am aware. I can tell. Um, and <laughs> uh, and honestly, Agatha Christie, you know, through the governess uh, and how the governess saw everything, she literally was like, "We're like animals at the zoo right now. Like we are acting like we're in the animal kingdom." Totally, uh, I I think that's the best answer. I can't even really top that. I was gonna say I think people are just fascinated by mental illness, and let's be honest, wanting and liking murder, I think at a level is a it's mental human illness. Behavior. It's but, it's, yeah. it's an outlier of human behavior. I think, and I think like, that's that's the thing that I I get what you're saying, but like that's not a human. I mean, I would I would assume it's not a human thing that everybody in the world is just containing the urge to kill. <laughs> I don't have that. Like, <laughs> it's more I don't like, like repress that down. I don't yeah. ever feel the urge to kill people. <laughs> well, I, I also hope everybody's like on the same page as me. <laughs> Live with um, Katie for a few months. You'll now just Lauren represses the urge all the time. Um. <laughs> like this man didn't have an like he had the urge to kill. Like you said, it was like in his Young DNA. Age. It yeah. wasn't like these people bugged him enough mm-hmm. that he had to kill them. <laughs> yeah, he like, sought out people to kill because he wanted yeah. to kill. 
But then, like, why... So that's why people kill. But, like, why do you think that people wa- Want like, are obsessed it. with watching it? Yeah, or, like, talking about, about it? Outlier of human is behavior. It, is it just because, like, they... It's like going to the zoo. You're just like, this is where the freaks are. I have to watch the train... The like the pl- the crash. I think much in the way that like people enjoy like horror and thriller films, it's because like either <laughs> neither do I. I am. I love them. I, I know think Katie loves them. Fantastic. Um, yeah. But I think it, like Katie's saying, like an outlier in in our society. Like this is not something we kind of have to worry about interact with often. Hopefully, mm-hmm. um, especially in you know the more uh, regulated governments of the world. Um, so it, it is. It's like. This this isn't normal. This is weird. This is different. Mm. Why? What about them? Like, is it their past? Is it uh, a recent, you know, occurrence? Is it? Do they have a screw like, loose? I, what's their motivation? You know. <laughs> so Let's I deep here. I think that's people are just curious. Like mental illness is just like interesting. You want to know why someone like ticks? Why? Like what makes them tick? Why they are the way that they are? It's morbid, but it's interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too, is like, why are we so obsessed with watching? I mean, yeah. it's mostly females that are dying. Yeah, honestly. And like, it's females that love the shit. So I know I need to really Do you think stop. that it's like they're fascinated by it or it's like, what situation should I not put myself in like this right? chick to be in? Is it like self-preservation or they're just like, no, I'm really fascinated by this. I am constantly worried <laughs> just being a female <laughs> in this society, you know, and we're, we're a pretty, um, uh, what's the word I want to use? Developed society. You know what I mean? We, we do have the law and mm-hmm. we do have people who enact the law, but you still have outliers and that's terrifying. And I always seem to think I'm going to be, the the minority who gets like killed like you know who walks home at the end of the night and i don't know these murders seem so random and when you're watching the documentary i think i put myself in their situation i'm like that could be anyone that could be me and i i morbidly find that interesting and also terrifying do you think if you didn't watch those documentaries you wouldn't worry when you're running i mean i am my mother's daughter so i would worry all the time no matter what but because of seeing those stories in I think that does make me more nervous for sure and like literally I I have this at least once a run where there's someone like on the sidewalk if they're following me or for like a car slows down like next to me for seemingly no reason I like literally think to myself what's my move is it to start sprinting is it to like go back the other way like this is sad but these are the thoughts that go through my head and it sucks that in a society we that's so developed we still have to worry about this especially as women but I I do think having watched this stuff and seeing these stories happen to seemingly normal people i'm just like i could have that could have been me that could have been me um well i think that agatha christie proved to us that we are still deeply obsessed with murder a hundred years after she wrote this book and it holds up like a champ glad we changed the name but yeah we have yeah (laughs) not all that held up I think that's a great note to end on. Respect, yeah. Agatha. Wish you weren't so racist. Yeah. Good story, yeah. though. Yep. Yeah. Word. Well, um, when we get back, Lauren is here to make sure we don't murder the English language in Lauren's word of the book. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Let's do it, because I just can't wait to see where Lauren schools me I'm... in the language that is my first language. I'm just happy that, like, you guys are now finding, like, a, a love and a passion for learning new words. That just makes me happy. 
I really just like the game of it all, if I'm being <laughs> honest. It's way less about the words. And okay. <laughs> you got for us, Lauren. <laughs> all right, guys. So um, in my copy of the book, um, on page 188, the word that I love, there were a lot of big words in this one, by the way. Thanks, Agatha. I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, doing, she's doing me a solid. Um, but I liked this word, especially laconically. L-A-C-O-N-I-C-A-L-L-Y. All right, so I will read. I have to kind of give you guys, read a couple sentences because to give you as much much context as possible. Um, So we've got, who's talking in the moment? Blore talking. He's the detective. And he said, that girl coming over all hysterical. Well, that's natural. The sort of thing you'd expect. Don't you think so? Philip Lombard, the captain, said laconically, it might be. (laughs) <laughs> laconically i feel like honestly helped that, me a little bit <laughs> uh, well i think the sentence helps you as well go ahead what do you think laconically means oh fuck i hate this um please um, take a stab at it first or katie yeah, what does go he first say first. i got distracted by your tone he answers with it could be it might be mm-hmm. it might be he throws it away he's just like maybe nonchalant laconically <laughs> okay uh, lisa marie i think he's I think I'm just like, you're an asshole. And he's just like, no. He just disregards it. Like, Okay. I think Katie's a little closer with this one. Yes. Uh, Laconically means using or involving the use of minimum of words, concise to the point of seeming rude or mysterious. So, like, the guy's like, don't you think that that happened? Isn't that kind of crazy? Wouldn't you expect someone to react that way? And he just goes... Might be. <laughs> like, like obnoxiously con- concise and just, like, not helpful. It's almost like active, like, active abandonment of the conversation. Yeah. I don't know how to else. He's like, match not my helpful. energy. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, have you ever gone on those? So my real world sentence um, yes, please. is I really hate going on. <laughs> I really hate going on dates where I ask questions to learn about this guy's life. And he answers laconically with things like, I have two sisters, or I don't like dogs. <laughs> Ew, who are going to do that? Like, no, specific man. Like yeah, it sounds dumb. <laughs> but I also feel like that's a good point. Like, I hate when I have to, like, pull teeth from people, and I'm like, why are you yeah. being so laconic? Uh-huh. Expand on your thought. Elaborate, please. <laughs> and then follow up. <laughs> Ask me just... an equally interesting question. <laughs> Do I have brothers? Fuck yes, I do. I've got two. So, what do you do for work? How long have you lived in LA? Fuck me. Come up with a new question. Anyways. So, yeah, that's my word enough. All right. I will remember that one. Mm. I will try to remember that. (laughs) Well, as always, thank you for listening. If you're reading along with us, join us next week when we discuss the angst of Holden Caulfield and Catcher in the Rye. Holding Caulfield. Mm. Controversial. That <laughs> knocks me out, goddammit. And we're going to have a special guest, our friend from the East Coast, Kristen. Hey. The best reader of all of us. Let's yes. go. <laughs> she wins all the reading trophies. <laughs> all right. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.